Well, one evening, a few weeks back, Nikki and I were unwinding by watching some Mystery Science Theater 3000 after the kids went to bed. And during the commercial break, there was this odd little commercial. The commercial wasn't for some new hybrid SUV or yet another diet soda. No, it was a commercial that was inviting people to move to, of all places, Ohio. The commercial's tagline, which was tailored specifically for those who live in New York, poked fun at the Empire State by quipping, your buildings are taller, but our taxes, they're smaller. I later found out that that commercial that interrupted the greatest show of all time was part of the Ohio is for Leaders campaign, which has been running ads in cities like Boston, Seattle, and even Austin, Texas. Well, that shame-based approach to get New Yorkers to move to the Buckeye State is really indicative, I believe, of just how fixated Americans have become with their location. Daniel McGinn, author of the 2008 book House Lust, explains how Americans' fixation on real estate has exploded over the past few decades. He writes, thanks to websites like Zillow and Property Shark, voyeurs can now conduct explorations on a national scale. Gossip columns now routinely report on what properties celebrities are buying and selling, and HGTV, which a decade ago was a tiny channel airing mostly arts and craft shows, now airs a nightly lineup of programs that highlight the real-life drama of real people buying and selling homes for profit. Back in 2020, at the height of the pandemic, many Americans up and left their homes, and in some cases moved across the country, not for professional reasons necessarily, but they were motivated by health concerns or public policy issues, as well as just a strong desire to be closer to family and other support systems. Now, we know people move for all different kinds of reasons, don't we? Some move, quite frankly, just to have lower taxes. Others might move to a large city because they want more cultural offerings. Some want to move to the country. Others want to move to the city. Some want more space because they have a growing family, perhaps. And others who are considering retirement might be looking to downsize and getting to a home that has less demands that it places upon them. Still other people move for things like desirable school districts to reduce their commute time or to be in a more pleasant climate. But regardless of the motivation, there can be no doubt, millions of Americans are on the move searching for some Eden out there. Over the next two weeks, we're gonna be in a series entitled Refuge. And we're going to grapple with questions like, how important is location? What difference does it make? How much importance should a Christian place upon location? And whether or not location is the determining factor in our happiness and success in life. So let's start this two-week series by first asking the fundamental question, why do we as Americans tend to place so much importance on our location. Well, there's probably dozens, if not hundreds, of different reasons that people move. But if you sort of pay attention to the news, 
if you pay attention to the polls and surveys and just sort of look at broader cultural trends in our nation, you'll probably find that by and large, there are four main reasons people decide to make a move. The first reason that people decide to move is simply this. We believe that the right location will guarantee our safety and security. This one's pretty straightforward. We think if we get into the right location, the right region, the right city, the right neighborhood, then we will be safe and our stuff that we love so much will be safe. And people, when they're house hunting, will frequently try and learn about crime rates in a particular area. They might look at an offender's list before they buy a home. People are pretty concerned before they buy a home or make a move with the security of a particular location. They wanna make sure the laws reflect their values and that you know, public policy is to their liking. Simply put, one reason people choose to move is they're in the pursuit of safety and security. The second reason that people often move is this. We believe as Americans that the right location will help us have better and deeper relationships. Back in 2020, many people moved. And why did they move? Well, they wanted to be back near family, back near friends. Now, this was nothing new, but it was greatly accelerated during the pandemic, as we'll see a little bit later. Oftentimes, people might move to a new city, and as they start to have a family and they want a babysitter, they'll move back home. Or they find in their move, they haven't built any meaningful relationships, and so they want to go back home and try and pick up where they left off with old relationships. Other people leave in pursuit of deeper and more meaningful relationships for the exact opposite reason. They're not so much trying to go back home. They're trying to get away from home. They're trying to get away from their family and from their past relationships. And they think, if I get a fresh start in a new city, if I enter into a new work environment, then I will make better and deeper relationships. The third reason so many Americans choose to move is this. We believe the right location will set the conditions for us to prosper. People move for lower taxes. Maybe their particular professional skills are more in demand in a part of the country that they're not in. Maybe they're looking to buy a house in an area they think they're going to be able to sell a home in later for a great profit. Maybe they're looking to get into a particular school district because they believe getting their children in this particular school district will set them up to flourish in their own lives as they get older and are launched out of the home. Whatever the motivation is specifically, in general, the big motivator is this. We want to move somewhere where we think we're going to be able to prosper. And fourth and finally, a reason that we as Americans tend to move is simply this. We believe the right location, get this, will provide us with lasting happiness. People that grow up in small towns often think, I've been there, done that. If I could only get to a big city, then I'll be happy. People that are sick of the traffic and the crime of a certain city are saying, if only I can get out into the country, then I will be happy. If your family's growing, you think the key to our happiness is going to be more square footage. Or if you're approaching retirement, a smaller home with less upkeep. 
Others think if I can only get to a part of the country that has the perfect climate, then I will have lasting happiness. And others say, if only I can live on the water, then I will have lasting happiness. Whatever the specifics are, it's the same basic motivator. We sort of have this idea that a more beautiful home, a more beautiful lot of land, less space or more space is going to be the key. And if we get into that location, we're going to live happily ever after. And last year, in 2021, some 27 million Americans uprooted their lives and they moved sometimes across the country. Why? They were in pursuit of safety and security, better and deeper relationships, flourishing financially, and lasting happiness. 27 million moves last year looking to have those needs met. But is that realistic? Is there really some location out there that if only I could get to this neighborhood, this city, this region of the country, then all my problems will be solved? I mean, hey, maybe it is. Maybe there are locations out there like that, and those of us that don't live there, we're just missing out on the good life. Or maybe we're putting too many eggs in that basket, and while location is meaningful and impactful, it's not the end-all, be-all when it comes to living a satisfied and flourishing life. For our time today, I want us to simply ask the question, can location make good on its promises? Is there some place out there, some Eden, that can guarantee our safety and security, that will make meaningful relationships, that will flourish financially, and that will have lasting happiness? And we're going to try to answer that question by raising four more questions. And here are the questions that we're going to be grappling with this morning. First question, can the right location guarantee our safety and security? Second question, can the right location help us have better and deeper relationships? The third question, can the right location set the conditions for us to prosper? And fourth and finally, can the right location provide us with lasting happiness? Let's start with the first question. Can the right location guarantee our safety and security? In October of 2015, my family was living in my hometown of Columbia, South Carolina. And by all measures, it was a very typical October. The weatherman said that there was going to be a little bit more rain than normal in the forecast. But I didn't really pay much attention to that because it seems we always have not enough rain or too much rain if you listen to the weatherman. But it turns out, over the course of about a four to five day period, we got something like 20 plus inches of rain in Columbia. And that would later become known as the thousand year flood. You see, it was a catastrophic flood right in my hometown. It was sort of bizarre. Uh, one dam breached, and it sort of had this domino effect, and major intersections that we were used to going through had water up to the traffic lights. 
there was something like $1.5 billion in losses and damages. And tragically, 19 people died in that flood in October of 2015 in Columbia, my hometown. It was horrible. Some of the lower income areas were totally wiped out. But you know, many of the hardest hit areas were some of the nicest areas in town. There was a very high status neighborhood and like many nice neighborhoods, many of the homes were on the water. This was a gated community. It was very desirable to live there. And we knew many people in our congregation at that time who lost their entire homes due to that flood. We knew many more people whose businesses were totally destroyed or it took months to rebuild. Or maybe the business was intact, the building was, but the roads had given out and so no one could get to the business. It was an absolute horror that lasted for years to clean up. Although some areas, some locations have lower property crime and violent crime rates, the reality is if you think there's some Eden out there that can guarantee your security and safety, you're kidding yourself. You can live in the safest house that has ever been built with the best security system that money can buy. You can be in a gated community that has its own security team or perhaps its own dedicated police department. You can build a moat to your house if you want to, but it's not going to guarantee safety and security because you might be in the safest location imaginable but that'll do nothing to lower your risk of things like health issues, lawsuits, natural disasters, and freak accidents. Now, don't get me wrong today. I'm not saying it's immaterial whether or not you live in a safe area. I've lived in a very bad area with high crime. There's nothing cute about it. But again, if you think there's some place out there that can guarantee your safety and security, you're sorely mistaken. God's people have always gotten themselves in trouble when they've looked to anything or anyone other than God for their safety and security. In the Old Testament, God's people were living in the land of Israel, and they were being threatened by this foreign power, the Assyrians, and they were worried about what they were going to do. But instead of turning to God... They turn to a place, a location, a municipality, if you will, and the results were disastrous. Isaiah chapter 30, verses 1 through 3, listen to what the Lord says through the prophet Isaiah, speaking to those of his people that were not finding their security in him. He says this, what sorrow awaits my rebellious children, says the Lord, you make plans that are contrary to mine. You make alliances not directed by my spirit, thus piling up your sins. For without consulting me, you've gone down to Egypt for help. They thought if we only got down south, all of our problems would be solved. You've gone down to Egypt for help, and you've put your trust in Pharaoh's protection. You've tried to hide in his shade rather than the shade that God provides but by trusting Pharaoh, you will be humiliated, and by depending on him, 
you will be disgraced. So let me ask the question again and then answer it. Can the right location guarantee our safety and security? Cannot. It cannot, but there is one who can. Second question, can the right location help us have better and deeper relationships? Can the right location help us have better and deeper relationships? Well, last year's United Van Line survey noticed a trend developing over the past six years. This is a wide survey that's done of people that are making moves, and people are asked, essentially, why are you moving? And in last year's survey, they noticed there was a dramatic increase in the reasons for people making moves from 2015 to 2021. Listen to this. In 2015, only 19% of those surveyed said the main driver for them making a move was to be closer to family. Only 19%. But by 2021, just some six years later, a whopping 32% said that the primary reason they were moving was to be closer to their family, friends, and support system. Said differently, last year, a third of all Americans said that the primary reason they were moving was to get closer to friends and to family. You know, I can't help but wonder how many of those people made that move and discovered that the old saying is oftentimes true, that you can't go home again. How many of them went back to familiar landmarks, family and friends, but once they realized the dynamics had simply changed? Many of their friends built new relationships, and so they couldn't just pick up where they left off. Maybe a health issue with their family totally rewrote the whole equation. Maybe they had a falling out or some other relational challenge. But who knows how many people move home in hopes of picking up with their family, only to be disappointed at how that turns out. I'll tell you a kind of funny story. I was born in Columbia, South Carolina, but my wife, Nikki, was born about an hour north of there in Charlotte, North Carolina. And for most of our marriage, we lived in Columbia, uh, but I had an opportunity professionally to move to Charlotte. And Nikki's family, for the most part, was based in Charlotte. And so we were thinking about, do we want to move to a larger city? Two sports teams who I love, who constantly break my heart, humiliate me, are there. So that was a driving factor. We had friends and family there. And so we were weighing whether or not we should move. And we ultimately decided this is going to be great. We're going to move from Columbia to Charlotte. It's a great professional opportunity, bigger city. And we're going to be right near my wife's family, who honestly we love to this day. Well, in God's providence, not only did we move to the Charlotte area, we moved to the same neighborhood that Nikki's family lived in. And it was honestly wonderful. We had gone from a very dangerous area in Columbia to a very desirable area in Charlotte. Things were going pretty well professionally, and we were very close to some family we loved. But you know what? We weren't there six months before her family up and moved to Virginia. (laughs) 
And we were just sort of left there scratching our heads. Now, I don't know what that says about us, but here we were thinking, we're going to move where there's family. We're going to move to where there's a support system. Although my family was in Columbia, hers was in Charlotte. We love the folks that live there. And they up and left. We really don't know, do we, if we try to go back home, what the results will be. And so we might think moving back with family is going to guarantee better and deeper relationships, but oftentimes it doesn't pan out that way. As I said earlier, sometimes people move because they're looking to create new friendships. They hope a new city, a new work environment is going to give them a brand new start, and they're going to build some amazing new friendships. Have you ever been looking for a home and you ask the realtor, what are the neighbors like around here? And you kind of try to get a sense for if we were to buy here, who are we going to be surrounded by? Well, if you're someone who's considering making a move to leave behind your less than ideal relationships and seek out new, better relationships, I can tell you right now what your new neighbors are going to be like. I know. I can tell you exactly who you're going to be working around, living around, buying groceries around, and bumping into in your day-to-day life. In the book of Genesis, chapter 6, verse 12, we read this. This is God's description of humanity. (laughs) He said, God observed all the corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So let me tell you what your new neighbors are going to be like. They're going to be corrupt. Doesn't that sound amazing? In the book of Ecclesiastes, we see this similar, repeated, universal kind of language. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 20, indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. You're going to be working with sinners. You're going to be living among sinners. In the book of Romans, we see the same idea communicated yet a third time. Romans chapter 3, verse 10, as the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. You know, the reality is if you move in hopes of leaving behind these sorry relationships and creating brand new, amazing relationships, I hate to be Debbie Downer today, but I'm just calling it like I see it. The reality is those new friendships that you're going to make, broad strokes, they're probably going to be pretty much like the relationships you're leaving behind. So can a location set the conditions for us to thrive and have deeper and better relationships? It might or it might not. Third question we come to this morning of the four questions we're asking, can the right location provide us, excuse me, can the right location set the conditions for us to prosper? You know, people move for lower taxes. Shocker, I know. People move because they want to have the best opportunities for them professionally, and sometimes the city in which they live doesn't have all that many opportunities, and so they move in hopes of finding more opportunities People oftentimes buy a home because they think over the course of time, its value is just going to go up, 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 and they're going to make a fortune when they sell. Or if you have a family, perhaps you look to buy a house 
in a good school district because you believe that's the key to their prosperity and their, flu- uh, and their future. The reality is many of us are driven when it comes to making a move by trying to find the location that's going to set the conditions for us to prosper. But again here, we need to be honest and sober and realistic about this. Can the right location set the conditions for us to prosper? It can, but it might not. The reality is any investment that we make has risk and we simply do not know. One of the things I love about the Bible, as one person has said, is it's neither romantic nor pessimistic, but rather it's realistic. And when you look at this business of investing, the Bible is very level-headed and sober. In the book of James, chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, we read the following words. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And then I love this verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 6. It's along the same lines. If you're a person who's risk-averse, this is a great verse to commit to both your memory and to just get deep down in your heart. Think about this in terms of making investments. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 6. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon, for you don't know what will profit, whether one activity or another might be profitable, or how about this, maybe both. I can't tell you how many times in my own life when I've had to make a big decision, I've thought if I make the right decision, I'm going to live happily ever after, and if I make the wrong decision, my life will be nothing but sorrow and calamity until the day I die. Boy, this takes a lot of the pressure off, doesn't it? Sometimes A will have a good outcome and B might have a good outcome or they both alike might have a good outcome. Bottom line, when we make a move, when we buy a property, when we invest in any kind of a way, there's going to be some risks. And so we need to be honest with ourselves and answering the question, can the right location set the conditions for us to prosper? It might or it might not. Fourth and finally, can the right location provide us with lasting happiness? Can the right location provide us with lasting happiness? And this might be a bit subconscious, but I think this probably drives most, if not all, of the moves I've observed in my friends and family. We think, if only I get into a more beautiful home, then I'll live happily ever after. If I only get my growing family into more square footage, then we'll live happily ever after. I'm approaching retirement. If only we get into a smaller, more manageable space, we'll live happily ever after. If only I go to the city or I go to the country. If only I have something on the water. If only I were to get somewhere with a beautiful lot of land or if only I were to get somewhere with a climate that is more to my liking, then and only then will I be able to live happily ever after. 
Well, there was once a king that had basically unlimited resources, unlimited time, and unlimited power, and he set out on a mission to find satisfaction, happiness, and contentment. And one of the ways he went about this experiment was through focusing on location. Listen in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. We'll be jumping around a little bit about this king and this autobiography he has written, where he is retelling this pursuit of lasting happiness and satisfaction. This king that was a king in Jerusalem says this, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. I undertook great projects. I built houses, that's plural, multiple homes, and planted vineyards, that's plural, multiple vineyards. Just pause there for a moment. He's looking for lasting satisfaction and contentment and happiness, and he says, I'm going to go the HGTV route here. I'm going to buy multiple pieces of property. I'm going to build beautiful, ornate houses in different desirable locations, and I'm going to have my own vineyards there. So when my guests come and we're drinking wine, I can say, this came from our vineyard. He goes on, he says, he made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. So he's saying there, I've got the gardens for the farm to table. People come over and I tell them, you like that asparagus? I grew that in my garden. He's got the farm to table thing going. Uh, it says that he had parks. We're not quite sure what those parks were for, but likely they were for hunting wild game and that sort of a thing. But it really paints the picture, doesn't it? Multiple homes, multiple vineyards, multiple parks and gardens. He's got his watering system that's beautiful. It's heaven on earth. Well, let's see if it scratches that itch for lasting happiness by jumping down to verse 11. Writing and reflecting on these building projects, he says this, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind, and nothing was gained under the sun. The famous comedian and actor Jim Carrey once said these words, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they have ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. Now, how can that be? How can it be that the writer in Ecclesiastes and Jim Carrey can say, with basically limitless resources, time, influence, status. You can get all that and do whatever you want with it, and it won't provide you with lasting happiness. Well, social scientists have described a phenomenon called the hedonic treadmill. It's not an actual treadmill. It's a concept, and it's an observed behavior in human beings. And here is the definition for the hedonic treadmill. 
The hedonic treadmill, also known as hedonic adaptation, is the observed tendency of humans to quickly return to a relatively stable level of happiness despite major positive events or life changes. In other words, there's this observed behavior that when good fortune comes to people, you do have a spike in happiness and enjoyment, and it might last a month or two months or five days or a year, but eventually and pretty quickly, it's going to shoot back down, and however happy you were beforehand is how happy you're going to be after the fact. It's almost as if we kind of get desensitized to the good new thing in our lives. And you've experienced that too, haven't you? Haven't you thought, if only I got this thing or accomplished this or did that, then I would be happy forever? And lo and behold, you got that thing You accomplished what you set out to accomplish, and it was great for about five or six days, and then you're right back to where you started. Hedonic adaptation. That seems to be what the writer in Ecclesiastes and Jim Carrey alike are both describing, and I think you've experienced that in your own life as well. In my drive-in to the church, I have to go through a very nice neighborhood. And as I drive through that neighborhood, I want to invite you to do something I do. Maybe this is sick. I have no idea. But I kind of try to look at the faces of the people walking the sidewalks, running in that neighborhood, and the people driving. You ever drive through a nice neighborhood and you're like, I can tell they live here. They're not cutting through. They actually live here. Look at their faces and ask yourself, do they honestly look any happier than I do? I mean, are they just smiling as they go through life? Or do they pretty much look like you and me? You see, the reality is there's no location out there that can guarantee lasting happiness. So what are we saying today? Are we saying location is inconsequential and it doesn't matter at all? No, I'm not saying that, in part because I'm seeing some realtors in here that might jump me after the service, and I don't want that to happen, but also because it's simply not true. Location does matter, and sometimes it can matter a great deal. Safety and security matters. Public policy matters. Hey, I hope you're praying and thinking about how you might be able to honor God as we have elections coming up with how he might lead you to steward that awesome privilege. The reality is sometimes moving into more square footage can be a blessing. Sometimes downsizing for retirement can be a blessing. All of us have locations that are going to be a better fit for us than others, and it can be an amazing blessing when God in his good providence opens a door for you to enter into that kind of a location. But hear me today, if you think there is some Eden out there that can guarantee your safety and security, that can see to it that your relationships will flourish, that will set the conditions for you to prosper no matter what, and that will bring you lasting happiness 
You're kidding yourself. But the good news is, although no location can meet those needs, next week we're going to see that there is somewhere we can look to in order to have those needs met and to have true safety and security and lasting happiness all of our days. I hope you'll join us as we turn our attention to that next Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you run the world and that we do not. We thank you that you love us deeply and you know all things and you guide the affairs of this world. God, we thank you that you can look at the millions of factors and dynamics in the world and calculate all of those and bring about the advancement of your kingdom as well as our good. God, would you teach us in these two weeks to see the importance of location soberly, to not understate its importance nor overstate its importance. And God, will you help bring us in line with your thinking so that we might learn to see location the way that you do. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.